Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch. Well, today we're going to cover a topic that we actually haven't covered in a very, very long time. And it's really surprised me because when I first learned about my next guest, I was completely enthralled in her message. Most of you will know that we place heavy emphasis on our emotional well-being. But we don't realize that there is a strong link or strong relationship between the physical and the emotional. So my question to you is this, what is your relationship with food? I want to let that sit for a little bit because at first when I was confronted with this question by listening to our next guest, I thought to myself, yeah, my relationship's okay. But then I realized that I had all these rules around my eating. I realized that I overeat at night. I realized I actually do have some unhealthy, an unhealthy relationship with food, even though I thought it was normal. So in this episode today, we're going to talk about the relationship with food, making sure that it's not a source of stress or guilt and even shame, which a lot of us feel sometimes. We're going to talk about not just what to eat, but how to eat, when to eat, or whether those things are in fact important. We're going to talk about eating intuitively, binge eating, and how that can occur, whether you have a problem, and a checklist uh, of things to help you identify whether you have a bad relationship with food. With that in mind, I want to introduce our next guest. Her name is Lindy Cohen. She is a dietitian a regular nutritionist on Channel 9's Today Show and the author of the best-selling book, The Nude Nutritionist, which I absolutely love. Lindy brought up a book with her today in the studio and we're going to give that away and I'll talk about that a little later. This is a refreshing topic and a really refreshing book because in a world of strange superfoods and unregulated wellness influences, and there's lots of them on social media, right? We are bombarded with so much information regarding food and we focus so much on the physical, but today we're going to focus on the emotional aspects of it. And uh, Lindy is most popular for calling out this nutritional nonsense and promoting real health and a healthy body image. And uh, she's one of Australia's most well-known nutritionists, with a loyal following across social media. She is the creator of the Back to Basics app, a lifestyle approach to help you be healthy without dieting. And she's also the founder of the Keep It Real program to help stop binge eating. And she was recently voted one of Women's Health's 25 most influential or fifthfluential people in Australia. Fifthfluential. <laughs> Let's go with it. <laughs> On that note, uh, Lindy, welcome to A High Branch. Thanks so much for having me. I know you have a very busy schedule these days. You're very popular on Instagram. You're forever bringing out content and you appear on a lot of programs. So today we want to talk about my lens as always, the tribe, our followers and our listeners and they tend to be in the corporate world and more broadly recently there it includes their spouses who are not in the corporate world but I'd say 70% of our people come from the corporate world and I, I can tell you that the corporate world entails sitting all day often missing meals and then going home and just shoveling down food because we're just so hungry throughout the day. And I would say that most of us would have an unhealthy relationship with food. So my question to you is how do we know that we have an un unhealthy relationship with food? Sam, maybe once or twice a year I meet 
someone who I believe has a perfectly healthy relationship with food, where they don't mm. have any hang-ups, they don't have any food rules, they eat when they're hungry, they stop when they're full, food is simple. They are unicorns. <laughs> Majority of us yep. are going to have some little moments where food feels a bit strange to us or we're going to feel a bit stressed about the foods we're eating. Many of us, and especially in the corporate world, we get stuck in this cycle. We know what we should be doing, but we struggle to stick to it. So we wake up in the morning and we're, we're full of motivation and determination and we try to eat really healthily. We're good and, and we're good at being good. And so we, we have a, a healthy breakfast, we have our salad for lunch or whatever it is we're going to have. Mm. But by afternoon, that willpower starts to lag. And by the time we get home from work, maybe it's even the drive home from work or public transport, we're so exhausted and we're so stressed and our willpower has been depleted by all the decisions we've needed to make that day that really it just feels like why not just I'll just whatever I'll just start again tomorrow and we start eating and because we're so hungry because we either underate during the day or we didn't give ourselves permission to eat as much as we actually needed to to feel our body or we were too busy we end up feeling like we cannot stop eating Perhaps you've come home and you've just found you've had one snack. Well, one handful of nuts has turned into 10 handfuls of nuts. And cookies and or chocolate. And yeah. doesn't it? Yes, you feel yes. really out of control and you're like, I'm a smart person. I'm not a lazy person and yet yeah. I can't get this right. What ends up happening is we overeat and then we watch TV and the, the eating can continue. We go to bed at night going, damn, I really messed that up again. Tomorrow I'll start again. Yeah. The cycle continues. Or maybe yours isn't a daily cycle, it's a weekly cycle. So you eat pretty well during the week, but come the weekends, alcohol starts to get involved. Then each Monday you have to start again from scratch. So this is the most common pattern we see. And so often what it, what ends up happening is we get into this all or nothing mindset and we don't even realize that we're doing it. So majority of people I speak to, they're on a diet but it's in disguise. It used to be the diets were very easy to spot. So you were on the Atkins, you were on the Keto, the Paleo, the South Beach. I can keep going if you want. There have been (laughs) lots. And so you're on a diet and you go, these are the rules I have to follow. Majority of the people these days, they know diets don't work. Okay, so I'm not going to diet. I'm just going to try and be good. Not realizing that there's a whole bunch of food rules that they're currently subscribed to. Things like um, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I have to eat every six, every three hours to keep my metabolism going. I have to have three main meals a Day. I can't eat carbohydrates after a certain time. I have to avoid all sugars, all processed sugars. I mean, I can keep going here as well because the list is endless. And so I reckon if you did an exercise where you sat down and you wrote down all the beliefs you had around food, yep. you'd fill pages. And then I could go through and go, well, these are the ones that you should actually be listening to. And to be honest, there's probably not that many that I would say you have to listen to. And so what I'm saying is as long as you have these food rules in the back of your mind, you are controlled by food you're not in control of food and until we start to strip back all the nonsense until we do that we're not going to actually feel calm and relaxed and normal around food wow even what you just said just made me feel more liberated because as you were providing those examples i'm thinking all this information i've acquired over so many years i've turned into food rules right Yes. Yeah, but there's so many of them like you said the latest one is don't eat breakfast fast till midday but some mornings I wake up and I'm hungry, right? <laughs> and we'll talk about hunger in a second. I've gone through the vegan diet for six months. I've done the food combining, the Atkin. But I did get rid of all those. And I think a lot of people now are at that stage where there's so many diets, they just say, to hell with it all, I'm just going to eat what I think is normal, which is just a varied diet. But they don't realize they're still hanging on to some of these food rules that they've acquired from all these diets 
For example, you know, eating carbs after 3 p.m. Don't eat a fruit with the main meal. And it's a lot of stress that we carry around with us. Yeah, and I think it makes eating healthily so much more complicated. Firstly, it occupies a lot of headspace, headspace where you could be spending doing other things. There's this interesting psychological study done by Daniel Wegner, and what they looked at is, it was the white bear study, it's pretty famous. So what he did is he said to people, don't think of a white bear. Don't think, whatever you do, just don't think of a white bear. A completely crazy thing that we would never normally think about. <laughs> yes. And as soon as he starts saying to people, don't think about the white bear, yes. sure enough, people cannot stop thinking about the white bear. This is what we end up doing with food. Food up until this point in time, and still at the moment, mm. is what I call negative nutrition. What we focus on, and here's a whole bunch of things you're not allowed to eat. So I'm taking stuff away from you all the time. You can't eat at this time. You can't eat these foods. This food is allowed, but only under these circumstances. And it can leave us feeling like, what am I even allowed to eat anymore? Or it can make yeah. us feel so overwhelmed that we end up doing nothing at all. And of course, this doesn't end up with anyone being healthier as a result. And so what I think we need to do is we need to simplify nutrition. If we strip back all these food rules, what are the key things you actually need to do? Which is why I, I follow a, a back to basics approach where it's like, mm-hmm. let's focus on these core things. You get those right. Yep. You can start to build up from there. But the other thing I always talk about is positive nutrition. So what if you stop focusing on all the foods you're not allowed to eat and you start focusing on crowding in more of those healthy foods naturally you are going to have less space for the unhealthy foods because you're crowding in more of the healthy stuff plus you won't have the noise in your brain telling you what you should or shouldn't have eaten so think about it like this we go to a restaurant and you're trying to find what is the healthiest thing to eat instead of thinking oh i can't have a burger i can't eat this this has chips this is too fatty this is too much sugar that's bad for me you're simply looking at the thing What has the most vegetables in it? What can I eat more of? What am I trying to crowd into my diet? Invariably, you are going to come to the healthiest choice on the menu, but you're not going to have all the sense of deprivation and denial that normal traditional diets have been telling you you need to have your whole life. What we get is people who make healthier choices more easily, and it comes from a place of choice, not from a place of I should be doing this or I'm not allowed to eat this food. Wow, we can finish the podcast right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the rule and we should be living by yeah. So how do we then undo all the involuntary programming that we've instilled yeah. in our operating system? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you've been dieting for a few years, many people it's decades, it's going to take more than a few weeks or a few months to rewire your brain and rewire your thinking. So that's the key thing is diets really do promise you quick results. They really do work. But the thing is about a diet, Mm. diets are very easy to get started on because you can start tomorrow. Here's a bunch of rules. Your motivation's high. But as you follow a diet, they get harder Mm. and harder to stick to. This approach that we're going to be talking about is the opposite. The hardest part is getting started. But the longer you do it, the easier and easier it gets, the more intuitive it becomes, the more you feel like you don't have to worry about food. And it's something that takes a bit of time. So first thing what I want to teach you about is this idea of intuitive eating. I mean, what is that? It doesn't sound intuitive, does it? But very simply, your body has an inbuilt weight management system. It's your appetite. The sole reason your appetite exists is to manage your weight, to manage your energy, to let your body know, hey, I would love a little bit more energy now. Do you mind topping me up? Sole purpose of your hunger cues. Now, if we simply get rid of all the noise in our brain that's telling us when we're allowed to eat, what we're allowed to eat, and we get back to this very primal, very core response that's helping us eat the right amount of food for our body, 
we're actually able to eat within 50 calories of our energy expenditure for the day. Within 50 calories? Within 50 calories That's of phenomenal. accuracy, simply by tuning into our <clears throat> hunger. Now, most people have been taught to avoid hunger their entire lives. We eat because we don't want to get hungry, because we're peckish. We feel like we've been scarred by being too hungry on a diet. And so we can have this really kind of weird relationship with hunger where we think it's something that needs to be avoided. But there's a comfortable level of hunger that we should each feel before any time we end up eating. It's our body's way of going, all right, we're ready for a little bit more energy. You can have some. So what does hunger really feel like for any of us? I mean, for some people, it's just like an emptiness in the stomach. Maybe an end stage feeling would be feeling like lightheaded or, or dizzy. That's what the way that you know you've gone too far. I actually get stressed, stressed. when I get hungry. Yes, yeah. I get really aggressive. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want to cross me. <laughs> My husband's yeah. like, do you need to have a snack? <laughs> yeah, I do sometimes. Uh, and so I think what we need to do, we need to work out what do these hunger cues look like for you? And this is awesome reason resource called the hunger scale all right so you think about a sliding scale of zero to ten ten is when you are ravenous you are so hungry by the time you're ravenous which it sounds like what's happening to you sam is you come mm. home from a busy day you haven't eaten you're so ravenous you end up eating you lose control around food because your primal system is kicked in your body's thinking i'm not going to get energy i have to seize control of the situation yep. and i have to take yep. as many calories as i possibly can in a short period of time this is something that happens really commonly and, and you might have the sensation of not feeling in control it's yep. kind of just happening and you're witnessing it and you know you want to stop it but you can't yep so yep. most people end up mm. getting to this point when they get ravenously full the problem is that when you get ravenously full you end up overeating so you might end up to a point where you feel like a little bit too full or you feel way too full so basically what happens each time you allow yourself to eat to get too full is you end up stretching your stomach a little bit okay. now along your stomach mm. you've got stomach lining and in the lining there are receptors and these receptors send a message to your brain to say hey I'm hungry so each time that you stretch your stomach mm. you get more lining more receptors more of those little things telling your brain I'm hungry so each time we're doing that we're getting hungrier each time we're requiring more food to feel satisfied our stomach is getting larger but me telling you this doesn't actually help you eat less what I really want you to do is start to practice simply listening to your hunger all right so if you are ravenous around a 10, then ideally we're going to start to eat around a 7 or an 8 out of 10. So you can start to notice that hunger is building. 5 is peckish. 5 is like, yep. okay, all right, I'm, I'm getting a little bit hungry. <laughs> Most people end up eating around 5. Yeah. Ideally, we're waiting until we're a 7 or an 8. We're going to eat until we're around a 2 or a 3. And then that way, we're actually going to be a little bit more managed. And what's really interesting is to think about how long does it take for you to get from a 5 from peckish to be a seven or eight, to be hungry. But that's a really good thing to know. So that when you can go, all right, I notice that I'm feeling a little bit peckish right now. You can go, all right, how long do I have to wait until I actually feel like it's going to be mealtime? So one mm. of the things that we often mm. do is we wake up in the morning, we think, all right, well, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, right? So regardless of whether or not we're hungry or not, we, we dive into eating. Yes. And then yes. it's lunchtime and we eat because it's lunchtime and that's when everyone normally takes a break and therefore I will eat then too. And or we don't eat at that point. What I think we need to start yeah. to do is if we pulled away all the food rules and we simply started tuning into when you are hungry, you're going to be able to eat appropriately for your body. Now, depending on the month, some months you might or some weeks you might burn extra energy. Some weeks you might not burn as much energy. If, let's say you have a really active day, you need to eat more. 
If you have a day where you're really cold, you're going to burn more energy. So if we're trying to stick to calorie counting that tells us how much to eat every single day, it's not very accurate. When you listen to your hunger, you're actually going to be able to give your body what it needs when it needs it. Beautiful. Now, there's a lot of people probably listening to this thinking, well, Lindy's a nutritionist and she looks amazing. She looks in control, but you're also speaking from experience, aren't you? Yeah. How did you fall into this area? Because you had an unhealthy relationship with food and it was after many years of personal angst and study and knowing thyself, right, that you came to develop your thought leadership. And it's interesting, you know, most of the speakers we've had at Upgrade Your Life, when I sat down and broke the bread with them, all of their thought leadership came out of personal adversity and we give meaning to our personal story by teaching our learnings to others so do you mind sharing your personal story with the food and the ups and downs that you went through of course so I became a dietitian for all the wrong reasons I had an eating disorder growing up so The way it started for me is I got sent to a nutritionist when I was 11. I wasn't overweight. We turned up to the nutritionist and she said, I see you're you're well within the healthy weight range, but I understand you probably want to be slim. And therefore, if you want to be slim, then these are the foods you need to eat. Here's a meal plan and come back and get weighed by me. So I got a calorie counter book and very quickly I became very obsessed with what I was allowed. At 11? At 11. Wow. It's happening even earlier these days. It's Um, crazy. It is crazy. And so I became really obsessed with what I was and was not allowed to eat. And I was really good at following rules. I got a high off it, of being this so good at it. And so many of us have done this where we're eating healthily and it can feel kind of addictive to take it to that next level and go more extreme. What ended up happening though is that I couldn't sustain that kind of control. I tried really hard to eat less and less and be extra good. And all that ended up happening Mm. is that my body would take over control for me and I'd end up eating uncontrollably. So I developed something called binge eating disorder, which is the most common eating disorder by a long mile. And in fact, it was only recognized as an eating disorder in 2013. And so it's kind of new. And I think many people don't realize that, hey, this thing that happens to me is really common. It can be explained. It's normal. And it's your body's way of protecting you. So basically what was happening is I would undereat, I'd overexercise. My body thought that I was starving. And so to protect me, it seized control over my body in a way. Mm. And Mm. it led to uncontrollable eating, often hiding in the pantry, having to hide empty wrappers that I'd eaten, and feeling deeply ashamed that I had no willpower. I had this complete lack of control. And the funny thing is, more than anyone I knew, I knew the most about food. I knew everything there was to know about calories and the way that it metabolized. And this is as I'm growing up as a teenager. And the more I became obsessed, the more out of control I became. And the more my weight started to creep up. And so by the time I was 21, Mm. I'd seen four different dietitians. I was now categorically morbidly obese and this is someone who was desperate to lose weight for an entire decade and then then it kind of hit me i've been dieting for 10 years and this is where i am i'm morbidly obese i hate myself i hate my body i'm so ashamed of myself and i think there's something fundamentally wrong with me so if i keep being obsessed this is the pathway i'm going to stay on what if i start to undo all this noise and nonsense and start to get back to normal eating that's it i just want to be a normal eater i just want to eat when i'm hungry and stop when i feel full 
It took me four years to get to a point where I slowly lost 20 kilograms over four years. Yeah, which, by the way, if you look at that, that's 100 grams a week. If you told someone that they're only going to lose 100 grams a week, they would surely give up because if the pursuit is weight loss, that doesn't feel fast enough for most people. But it led to sustainable long-term weight loss. And basically what I did is I, I became a dietitian and I realized that Ultimately, food is so much more than than calories. It's so much more complex. It's so much more interesting. Our relationship with food is fundamental to eating healthily. You can know everything there is to know about food. In fact, I bet you listening right now, you, you know what you should be eating. You know, okay, I should eat more vegetables and I should eat less takeaway and I should exercise more and drink less alcohol. And yet, why don't we sustainably do it? It's all because of our relationship with food. And so this is why I do this work now because I have this lived experience struggling with with binge eating disorder, my recovery through it. And now what I'm really interested in helping people do is to eat healthily without dieting. You know, where is that line between becoming obsessed and having a healthy relationship with food and help people who are struggling with binge eating to feel like you're not alone. This isn't something that just is your fault. In fact, it's your body's way of trying to protect you. And it's actually really lucky that you binge eat because if you didn't binge eat, people could starve themselves and we get situations like anorexia nervosa, which is the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. Is it really? Wow. So I studied anorexia many years ago because it featured in one of the characters of my book, A Higher Branch. And I understand it's a control mechanism. So it's It's, not about... It's not about food. No, it's not about food. No, it's not about food. And it it tends to have... Well, firstly, there's a genetic component to it. And it also tends to have a personality type that ends up is more susceptible to having anorexia. Very type A personality who likes lots of rules and regulations. This can be exacerbated by all the noise around us that's telling us that you're not good enough unless you look a certain way. And just touching on this whole body image thing, I think we have this idea of if I lose weight, then I'm finally going to like how I look and be happy. But the majority of the time, especially for women, it's like we reach that goal, then that goalpost keeps moving. And so you get to your goal weight and you go, well, is this good enough? And think about a time where maybe you've seen a photo of yourself from the past and you can remember at the time hating how you looked, leaving the house, feeling uncomfortable in your yep. body and yet you now look back at that photo being like I looked amazing why couldn't I enjoy that body that I had if liking our body if what positive body image was about being at the right weight then we wouldn't get people who are models who are deeply insecure about their body So accepting how you look has nothing to do Mm. with what you weigh. And so we can't hate ourselves into a version of ourselves that we like. It just doesn't work that way. And I think one of the most important things you can do is first work on your body image. Go, okay, I want to learn to accept my imperfect self right now. It's not my life. My life's purpose to look perfect from every single angle. And then let's start working on our relationship with food. Once you create that healthy relationship with food where you're eating healthily, not to lose weight or not because you hate yourself, but because you want to feel good in your body, we now have the motivation that we need to actually do things that are sustainable. And so people always ask me questions like, all right, should I try intermittent fasting? And I'll say something like, there is a lot of research to back up something like intermittent fasting. All diets do work. The question I have for you is, can you do that for the rest of your life? Are you happy to do intermittent fasting the rest of your life? And you might say, yes, I am. In which case I say, great. It's probably coming from good motivation where you think, I'm going to feel good being that person and I think I can maintain that. But for the majority of us, that isn't going to be something that's sustainable. If you're willing to live the rest of your life never eating pasta again, never eating bread again, then go for it. I am not that person. 
I want to live my life having carbohydrates. I want to be able to have chocolate. I want to be able to have a glass of wine. And so I think what we need to do is find out what are our motivations. Are we doing this just to lose weight? Are we doing this because we want to create a better life for ourselves? So you've got to check your motivations. Or are we doing this because that's the one thing in our life that we can control. We can control when everything else is out of control. I think that's where a lot of people sit. They say, well, I, I don't have control of my job because uh, I'm slave to the boss, if you like, or I don't have control in my relationship because the relationship's maybe gone sour. I don't have control over my finances. I don't have control over COVID. So people are then looking to what can I control in my life mm. to give me that sense of security. The and question is, at what point does food start controlling you? Yeah. If yeah. you're so in control mm. of food, how much does food control your life? So are you free to go out with your friends mm. and feel relaxed and calm around food? Or does food have control over you about dictating how you feel that day, about your mood, about your body image? <laughs> I laugh because if I have a bad meal... Ruins the whole day. Ruins the night if I go to dinner and have a bad meal at a restaurant. It's like my wife looks at me and she says, it's no big deal. And I say... <laughs> No, and she said you're so French in your approach to food. Food is a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal in my life as well. I think like we've given two extreme examples of an unhealthy relationship with food and they're on the radar. Anorexia being one, binge eating is the opposite. But I think there's a lot of people in between that there is no external manifestation because the more I hear you talk, the more I feel like I have an unhealthy relationship with food which is robbing me of my energy because I'm so focused on it and maybe not calorie counting, but certainly saying, well, I haven't had my greens for the day. How do you distinguish between, and I think a lot of people will be thinking this right now, how do I distinguish between eating healthy and not trying to control food? Because one's mental and one's physical, because what you're saying effectively is, look, just go with the flow, listen to your body, listen to your inner intelligence, right? And on that point of inner intelligence, and I think this is what you're getting at when you're talking about intuitive eating and the unicorns out there because I live with two unicorns my wife and my daughter are like that they don't they just have a healthy relationship with food and they eat when they're hungry and sometimes they won't have breakfast and I'll look at it and horrific and say you haven't had breakfast and not hungry right and I can't understand that because in my baby boomer parents were like well finish everything on your plate and don't go hungry yeah. because hunger meant the end of the species right i want people to think about this the next time you eat any food you have this inner intelligence inside of you that's turning that food that matter into cells into hair cells eye cells, skin cells. So we obviously have an inner intelligence inside of us, don't we? So when you're talking about this intuitiveness, it's about tapping into that inner intelligence or being mindful, if you like, some people call it, and saying, well, am I really hungry at the moment? Mm. What does my inner spirit really want? Hunger is one component of it. And I think what you're saying is there is another component. There's well, if I just let myself eat whenever I want, yeah. I feel like I'm going to be out of control around food. I feel like I'm going to eat lots of unhealthy food if I simply just tune into what my body wants because my body's telling me it wants pizza. But what's interesting is... All the time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> what's Love interesting <laughs> is that the, that doesn't happen. Yeah. When we control food, when we, put our, when we put lots of rules around food, 
This is when we find ourselves uncontrollably eating certain foods. Let's say chocolate, for example. It's not chocolate anymore. It becomes highly desirable. There's some really yes, interesting it's, research it's about this. Yes, it's the forbidden fruit. So they did this research where they took, gave people macaroni and cheese in America. Mm. And they, they wanted them to eat as much macaroni and cheese as they could. But what the research found is that when mac and cheese was something that they were offered all the time and, and repetitively, it became a very disinteresting food. What was previously this very exciting and fun food was just another food again. And what we do when we take foods off limits, we make them highly interesting. It changes the way that our brain responds when we do eat them. And you might say to yourself, well, I do let myself eat chocolate. Therefore, how highly interesting could it be? There's one thing about giving yourself physical permission to eat something as in I'm allowed to eat chocolate every night. But what's your emotional response to that chocolate? Are you feeling guilty and shameful that you ate the chocolate? In that way, you're actually emotionally restricting that food, which means you're still going to get that change of this is a highly interesting food. This is a highly desirable food that my body wants. So when we actually allow ourselves to eat any food, and I really do mean that, Mm. if we let ourselves eat whatever we want, what you find is that your body wants you to be healthy. It's in your body's interest to eat foods that make it feel good. So after, let's say I said to you, eat whatever you want. And you went out and for a week you ate pizza and you ate lots of macaroni and cheese and chocolate and wine. You get to the end of the week and be like, you know what? I actually just don't feel like eating that food anymore. I don't have to reprimand myself. I don't have to guilt myself into doing it. I really have a preference for eating more greens, more fruits, more legumes, more home-cooked meals. I actually feel like moving my body. So this is what we end up finding. And if you've ever been on holiday where you felt Mm. like you ate too much you might come home and and have these cravings have these feelings Um, exactly we've experienced that in fact i just get home and i say i just want salad for the next few days totally yeah and especially Mm. if we were eliminating all that strange relationship with food that makes us feel like oh i should eat salad but if you just strip that back and you realize your body does crave these healthy foods what we find is that people eat really balanced diets plus they, they don't have the control issues around food you're actually just getting back to listening to what your body wants and what your body wants is for you to be a healthy weight for your body whatever that weight is and it wants you to get the right nutrients so that's something i always like to think about is your body has your back you don't need to control what you oh, eat wow. as much I love that. Yep. you simply need to tune into your body and go Hmm. What's going to make me feel good? So there's this very important statement that you can say to yourself. So let's say let's say you're uncontrollably eating or you're binging or you just feel like, oh, a bit funny about a certain food. You actually have to give yourself permission to eat that food. So here's a saying, anytime I want to eat this food, I'm allowed to eat it. Do I feel like eating it right now? Mm. And there has to be mm. full permission that anytime you want to come back to this food, you are allowed to. So let's say you've got your spoon in a peanut butter jar or you Nutella. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nutella, definitely for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's say you're eating Nutella <clears throat> by the spoonful. You yep. have to be able to say, you know what? Anytime I want to eat Nutella, I'm allowed to eat Nutella. Do I really feel like it right now? Do I feel like continuing eating right now? And what you're going to find is that is going to be the stopper that you need to go, Mm. you know what, this is allowed. This is, I have permission. As long as you believe what I'm doing right now is shameful, is guilty, is bad for me, needs to stop, can't happen again. As long as you continue having those thoughts, Mm. your body is going to fear that it's never going to get that food again. So when you finally do get access to it, you'll be uncontrollable around it because this may be the last time you eat it. My, my wife knows this rule very well, I, I suspect, because she'll say to me, if you want to go to Vegas with your friends, sure, go. And then after a while, I think, well, do I really, do I really? want to go to Vegas? <laughs> I've been three times already. 
So going back to the inner intelligence that you're talking about, your body's got your back. I love that. I think that's, that's the rule in a nutshell. I want people to know as well that what you think is healthy because of what you've read may not be exactly what your body needs in that moment. And to give you an example, I listened to a guru, a yogi, talking to one of his followers. And one of his followers said, look, I have a splitting headache. And they were going from village to village in India. This is just a YouTube video I watched. And he said to him, they stopped at the next place. He said to him, what you need is onion rings, deep fried onion rings. So do you feel like eating the deep fried onion rings? He said, I actually do. I'm craving deep fried onion rings. He had the deep fried onion rings and his headache went. So this is why I like Ayurvedic medicine as well, because they don't say, well, you know, dairy's bad for you or gluten's bad for you. We have different seasons for different reasons. We have different times of the day where they say your body might feel like a banana in the morning, but at night you don't feel like a banana. Why is that? Why does your body send you those signals? So my message to people that are listening and to add to what Lindy just said is that don't judge foods as good or bad is really what you're saying, Lindy. Is it? It's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So the chocolate cake may be exactly what your body needs in that moment or onion rings or a spoonful of Nutella, right? It doesn't mean that you've lost the willpower or that you should be shaming on yourself. You've got to listen to that inner intelligence and trust it. It's a bit like going to the edge and trust that your body is going to pull you back and say, well, you know what? I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like a carrot. I feel like a cucumber. I feel like a herbal tea. So you've got to go with that, don't you? Yeah. And the fundamental thing that needs to happen is let's say I'm having a piece of chocolate cake. I need to actually enjoy it and let myself enjoy it and not think while I'm eating the cake, I shouldn't be eating this. This is bad for me. Oh, I have to go to the gym tomorrow. I have to compensate for this in some way. As long as we're having those thoughts firstly you're not being mindful with the food you're not truly allowing yourself to enjoy it you're getting in your body's way of being able to tune into itself and be intuitive so what we need to do is get notice that thinking around the food and yes Mm. your body will guide you to eat the right amount of food for you and on the whole good and bad food thing is birthday cake eating a piece of birthday cake a bad thing no imagine if it was your birthday and you felt so scared of food that you couldn't eat cake that's not a healthy thing to to do There is a time and a place where all foods are healthy in the context in which we eat them. So really just labeling them is a much unhealthier thing to do. Anything Mm. that causes stress to your body, including judging food in a certain way, is unhealthy for you. It's worse than the physical stress of eating the unhealthy food, unhealthy in inverted commas, right? Yeah, because the stress will wreck you in a few days and weeks, whereas you can go eating unhealthy for years and still rope it back in if you're in a solid emotional state. The thing to understand is that the restriction and the stress is probably the thing that's causing you to eat uncontrollably i think so many of us cling to it thinking it's the very thing that keeps me my weight under control it tethers me it's my solution what if it's not what if it's the very problem maybe that's not food isn't the problem at all but it's your relationship to it there was a book many years ago which talked a little bit about this from a different context and it was called why French Women Don't Get Fat. Do you remember that book? Oh, yes, I know. I was actually living in France at the time when that book came out. And what you said just reminded me of that because it was about your state of mind. Connect with the food, eat the food. To give an example, yesterday I packed a healthy lunch into work, but I was stressed at work and I only had five minutes in between meetings to eat lunch and I was getting into that eight and nine out of 10 on the scale. (laughs) And when you hit 10, I'm not going to be in a good state of mind for that meeting. So I ate what I 
considered healthy food. It was a healthy, by everyone's standards, it was salads, it was sweet potato, it was slow-cooked lamb. And do you know what? I couldn't digest that food. It took me five, six hours after that, and I was chewing ginger. So connecting with the food, being mindful when you eat, or how you eat, your state of mind is much more important than what you eat. I have the saying, it's don't give up 95% of your life to weigh 5% less. It's never worth sacrificing your mental health just to fit into a certain size clothing. And, and I know that's a hard pill to kind of swallow. But what we often find is when people start to eat intuitively, their body mm. naturally does find the healthy set point weight whatever that weight is and i think that's a really good goal to have wow i love that 95 (laughs) percent you don't want to sacrifice 95 percent of your life just to weigh five percent less and like you said earlier the body image changes i mean there was a whole heap of uh, women that were obsessed with being wafer and then came along the kardashians Mm -hmm. and then they went the other way well yeah the kardashians is a whole new set of unattainable (laughs) body standards for women but yeah every 10 years there's a new beautiful way to be that is equally as unattainable and just body image just keeps shifting and we keep chasing along trying to keep up with it and being attractive and feeling wanted and feeling sexy is really being comfortable with who you are i think is the message so it's not about chasing what other celebrities are doing and trying to look like them or fitting into a particular template i always found nigella lawson extremely attractive Mm. right and it's because she was comfortable with who she is yeah she really has that and i think the french women as well this is this whole idea is feeling quite relaxed in themselves and they've got that cool energy about them. I know you mentioned that why French women don't get fat. And one of the, if you haven't read the book, one of the principles is French people mm. eat foods that have high fat typically they eat the cheese they eat the butter they, they're not afraid of having bread but when they eat it they really enjoy it and it's something interesting that happens when you actually sit down to have let's say you have bread and you have some butter on it butter is rich and so if we're listening to our body we're being intuitive with our body We don't need as much until we actually start to notice that we're feeling more full. So people often ask me, well, how much food am I allowed to eat? Well, let's say you're eating something that's more rich. You might notice that I feel more satisfied more quickly or from less amount of food. And so that's the very simple thing. You don't need to obsess about how much, what portion size should I be having? Let's think about this lunch that you had. This Mm -hmm. sounds like a very healthy, but ultimately turned into a sad lunch because it wasn't the right thing for you. How satiated did you feel? from it yes it had it ticked the boxes in terms of the antioxidants the nutrients but was it fulfilling did it give you the foods that you needed in the right time so you could have the energy you needed for your meeting did i absorb it did you absorb it Mm. you know it Mm. didn't tick those boxes for you so ultimately what we need to think about is if you're having something that's very light and fluffy it's not going to make you feel as so maybe you do need to have more of it what i'm ultimately saying is each food has different amount of energy we don't need to obsess about how much of that food we're having because when we're listening to our body as i said your body is able to eat within 50 calories of accuracy of how much energy it needs for the day so we need to stop obsessing about how much am i allowed to eat when's the perfect time to be eating what are the perfect foods to be eating and we simply start going hey body are you hungry what would you like to eat and then we see if we can start there and keep it as complicated as that i love that and you know i went home that night and i went for a long walk just to burn off the day's cortisol and (laughs) my wife said what would you like to eat and i said you know, I just want a cheese toasty, gruyere cheese, toasted in a 
pan with hot chocolate and you know what it felt so good i had the best night's sleep yeah. right and i digested it so quickly yeah and yeah. just quickly on the whole sleep thing i don't think we can underestimate the importance of sleep when it comes to food when you do not get enough sleep ghrelin goes up ghrelin is a hunger hormone oh, i was gonna ask so you about you that get yes, more hungry yes. Yes. leptin goes down leptin is the satiation hormone in a way yes. and so you don't get as satisfied by eating food at the same time your brain centers light up reducing your ability to control your impulses so you become more impulsive especially as the day goes by so from all these angles you're making it even harder for yourself to actually eat healthily and stick to your good intentions what if controlling food is not the solution what if simply trying to get half an hour of extra good quality sleep a night was the solution and maybe that means that you need to allow yourself to eat a satisfying meal at night which means better sleep which ultimately means you're eating healthily during the day awesome you read my mind because that was the next topic i wanted to talk about but i want to come back and talk about the importance of sleep and i want to add my take on why sometimes we eat because i think a lot of people drift in the direction of their greatest weaknesses but i also want to talk about some of your recipes download some of the foods that you like to eat i know you've mentioned some of the ones we all consider unhealthy but you also have some great tips on that so thank you for listening to part one of my discussion with lindy on that note thank you very much for listening and until next time live consciously my friends 